Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob Manus, and we've got a great show for you again this week. Uh, and the big question is, persecuting law enforcement officers in America? You know, my guest has been on the show before, and she's going to bring us an update to the story of one of those officers who are being persecuted by an overzealous prosecutor for no sound reason. Her husband is an Alabama police officer, Ben Darby. He was a well-trained Huntsville officer who was forced to make a difficult split-second decision while responding to a dangerous 911 call. The situation was even cleared by the Incident Review Board, uh, which looks at every officer-involved shooting, and Ben's actions were deemed justified. It was determined that he followed all applicable policies and laws. Unfortunately, soon after he was cleared, the district attorney in the county, in Madison County, started to use him and his case as a political football. Ben was sentenced to 25 years in prison for a crime he did not commit, and he's not eligible for an appeal bond due to the excessive sentence he was given. Ben is stuck serving prison time every single day. Keelan Darby, his wife, has been married to Ben for five years. She's been a police sergeant in a North Alabama department for over six years. She also serves on her department's SWAT team. She's a Christian who loves her country and is honored to wear blue. Keelan, welcome back to the Rob Mena Show. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Well, first of all, how are you holding up? I'm doing okay. Um, some days are longer than others, but then, you know, you just remember what, what I remember what my reasons are and mm. just keep pushing forward. And uh, this is going to take as long as it's going to take. And I'm going to fight until um, I don't have to anymore. But uh, right now we're still fighting and uh, we're getting a little bit of reprieve. So we're, we're thankful for that, but uh, we're still pushing forward strong. So just for the audience that might not have seen the first show we did a few months ago, uh, give folks a refresher on what the specifics of the situation were for your husband, Officer Ben Darby, uh, in this situation. Uh, I mean, I covered the big picture of the prosecution and everything, but uh, mm -hmm. but why, why would it be – the big question I have in my mind is why would the board, the review board, say it was justified? Uh, so there must have been some – situation that this prosecutor is uh is picking up on that they didn't see which is really hard to believe yeah so my husband is ben darby and he was employed by huntsville police department uh for from since 2016 and in 2018 he was on duty um serving the citizens of huntsville when a 911 call came out of a man who said he was going to blow his brains out and that his front door was open so uh, the two original responding officers went to that call, and when they got there, they went against their training, which were trained statewide in Alabama and then nationwide. When you're dealing with an armed individual who um, is by themselves, you don't go inside that structure or that house to make contact with them. You call them outside to the open, open area where you can negotiate with them and get them help. So those two original officers got to the scene and instead of following their training, they went inside the house. So um, on the way to that call, one of those officers had asked for additional units to be en route. So Ben 
answered that call and he went in route and he got there thinking that it would be a, a perimeter would be set and that they would surround the house and call the man out just like he had been trained to do and just like he had done on several other calls that he had been in. And to his shock, he got there and they weren't, they weren't outside. He didn't see any of the officers anywhere. And so um, he made his way up to the door and saw one officer inside the house with no cover or concealment. And then the other officer was inside the doorway, again, with no cover or concealment. And the lead officer was not um, able to communicate clearly with the individual who had a gun to his head and was, um, he was suicidal. And if you're suicidal, you are also homicidal. And it's, yeah. it's a split second that that gun can move. And so uh, Ben stepped into that situation and took over for Officer Pegues since she wasn't able to clearly communicate with Mr. Parker. And um, Mr. Parker was given a total of seven commands to drop his gun. And he failed to do so, uh, even saying that he wasn't going to drop the weapon. And at in, in that time period that they were there, Mr. Parker had moved the gun towards officers and Ben had stopped that threat against his life and the other officers lives. They didn't have anything behind them. It was just open, open space in between them and this individual. And um, Ben stopped the threat to their lives. And then of course they were all investigated. Like you said, they had an incident review board and part of that incident review board committee included the district attorney and the prosecutor. And they all came to the conclusion that Ben was justified in his use of force and that the other two officers were not, that uh, they would need to go through remedial training. So they went through remedial training for lack of threat assessment. Ben did not. And uh, four months later, in August of 2018, he was charged with murder from a grand jury indictment. So um, 2019 happened. We had an immunity hearing. Um, he wasn't granted immunity. 2020 was COVID. So of course, everything shut down. And in 2021, he was um, told that we were going to go to trial. During all this time, the district attorney said to Ben's chief, he said, if you fire him, we won't press charges. And the chief said, no, he didn't do anything wrong. He followed all applicable law, policy, procedure. He did what he was trained to do. We're not doing that. Um, right before the trial, they offered Ben a plea deal. If you plea to manslaughter, which is also a felony, um, it's no prison time, five years probation. And Ben said, I didn't commit murder and I didn't commit manslaughter. So, no, I'm not taking that deal. So, we and, went and, to trial. And, and Keelan, just, just for clarification, if you are a felon, a convicted felon, you can't be mm -hmm. a police officer in the civilian world in the United States of America, can you? Correct. So his career, his career would be over if he took that plea. Um, and he, he refused to do that. So we go to trial in May of 2020, I'm sorry, 28, 2021. Um, we go to trial and it was closed to the public, which is a violation of his rights. Um, cause you have a right to a public trial. Um, I wasn't allowed to be there with him as his wife to support him. Um, and then they didn't allow certain, uh, testimony to be revealed to the jury. People weren't allowed to speak, including a neighbor who had had several conversations with Mr. Parker about how um, Mr. Parker had stated he hated police and how he had a plan to lure a police officer into his home and kill them. Mm. Um, that was considered um, hearsay, which that's not hearsay if it's coming from a direct source. Um, but the judge said it was hearsay and that 
that individual wasn't allowed to testify to the jury. He was allowed to testify to the court reporter um, on the chance that this went to an appeal, but the 12 people making that decision weren't allowed to hear that testimony. Um, Ben's academy instructor who taught him the concept of action versus reaction and that action will always be reaction, he wasn't allowed to testify. Um, and that officer had a real life situation where he was involved in a shooting um, where he was shot in the face because he re he reacted to the action and he couldn't react fast enough. Uh, he wasn't allowed to testify. Um, case law that supports police officers in their use of force, Graham versus Connor, Montute versus Carr, none of that was allowed to be told to the jury. And so uh, among other things with evidence not being allowed in, the jury concluded um, based off of what they were allowed to hear, which was that Ben was not a police officer, the prosecution said, he was not a police officer, that he was a regular citizen who just ran into some guy's house and shot him, which mm. quite frankly is not the truth. Um, he right. was a trained police officer. And as police officers were trained to do certain things, um, they may not always be pretty, but we are trained to do them. Just like an engineer is trained to do engineer things and a doctor is trained to do surgeries that not everyone can do that. And uh, the jury found him guilty of murder. He went to sentencing and um, the district attorney requested 25 years and the judge said, yeah, that sounds good. And he has been in prison since August 20th, 2021. Um, he is in protective custody because of his prior law enforcement background, but there are still general population inmates around him that he they, they should not have access to him. Um, mm -hmm. He has been put into harm's way at least three times that I know of that he's told me about um, because he's because he's around people he shouldn't be around because the prison system is just a failure in the state of Alabama. Um, so we filed for an appeal and we were granted oral arguments back in November. And that is something that is allow allowed for um, either side to discuss major points to the court that they want clarification on. And the court wanted clarification on the Sixth Amendment violation of his rights to a public trial and then clarification on the jury instructions that were not properly given to his jury during the trial. And before, before we go there uh i just got a question for you. i don't think you you guys knew last time we talked but what information did the prosecutor give to the grand jury that led to an indictment are you aware of that that's especially not, if the prosecutor and da were on the review board yeah that's not public information um I'm, i don't even know what that is because grand juries are sealed so right. if you're in, if you're involved in a grand jury um you can't talk about it so I honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. Because um, that, that's a key piece of information that I would like to. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. the public would like to know if, if everything was right and correct, even the police chiefs defending the guy. Right. Uh, and like, what could possibly go to a grand jury to lead them to an indictment? Right. Because the chief supported him. The mayor supported him. The city council supported him. So much so that they paid his legal fees for the trial, which was over $125,000. And in today's day and age with policing, if the police officer is wrong, their department doesn't back them. Right. 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 There's no support because it, they did a, a wrong thing. They did something True, against yeah. the law. 
you don't see what Huntsville did for Ben. You don't see that today. Um, right. You know, if he if he if he did commit murder, why are they sticking their neck out for him? And that goes yeah. as far as the people that have come behind us to support him. Um, the National Fraternal Order of Police and the Alabama, the state of Alabama's Fraternal Order of Police um, have largely supported us. And those are, I mean, the National FOP, that's a, one of the biggest organizations that policing has in America. It is. Um, and we get training and guidelines and stuff from them, and they agree with it. Um, ben was trained through an FBI um, instructor on officer survival, and his scenario that he had that day was part of the class. You know, we're still taught in the academy, in the police academy, when you are faced with an imminent threat, you are to uh, stop that threat to you or to another person. And that's exactly what he did. He did exactly as he was trained by the state of Alabama and Huntsville Police Department's academy. Yeah, it, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's even uh, the slightest bit uh, blurry. I mean, the situation, the guy had the gun to his head and he moved it toward the officers. Uh, right. And your husband did what he was trained to do correctly and removed the threat to them and anybody else that might be behind them. Right. Uh, uh, and it's unfortunate, but. Uh, yeah, of course, you know, any yeah. loss of life, any sure. loss of life is unfortunate. And it's a horrible thing. It is. But a police officer has to make it home at the end of the day. And if you can't follow commands, a lawful command given, whatever happens is on you because you can't follow directions. That's something that we're all taught in kindergarten, you know, every day is to follow directions and it'll work out. All he had to do was follow directions and he failed to do so. And he was given seven chances to follow directions. Um, And, you know, unfortunately what happened happened. It did. It is, and it is unfortunate. Uh, you mentioned the appeals court wanted to hear two issues, uh, the, the Sixth Amendment violation potential uh, and then the uh, something to do with the instructions. Uh, uh, the, what, what was the deal with the Sixth Amendment? Violation? So during during Ben's trial, um, it wasn't open to the public. So I wasn't allowed in there with him, nor was anyone in his family, anyone from the police department. Uh, Joe Smith, who wanted to see what was going on, he wasn't allowed in there. The news wasn't allowed in there. Um, it was a closed courtroom. So what they did was they opened up a secondary room and they they uh, streamed the video and audio of the court to that room. That's fine. But when you stop the video and audio, when there's people testifying, that constitutes a closure of the courtroom. You're not giving the public who are there accessibility to that trial. Um, And that would be a full closure. And so that was one of our points that we appealed was he didn't have an open trial um, because multiple times his, the judge over his case would hit the kill switch and turn off the video and turn off the audio. I remember sitting there hearing his neighbor testify and then the screen went black and there was no audio. And we all were looking around like, what just happened, you know, Mm -hmm. and about 10 minutes went by and then it turned back on and a different person was on the stand talking about something that we had no context to because 
the video was turned off. And that happened multiple times. So that's the violation of his constitutional right. And then the jury instructions, um, the judge did not properly instruct the jury on how a reasonable police officer would have acted. Uh, that comes from Graham versus Connor, which is United States Supreme Court case law, and is also the bedrock case law for police use of force. If um, a use of force is uh, made by a police officer, we all look to Graham to see if it passes the sniff test. And right. what he did does, but the jury wasn't allowed to know what that case law was. So instead of viewing him as a police officer, they viewed him as a regular civilian. And quite frankly, they're, that's two different people. It is. And we could do a whole hour long show on whether it would have been a good shoot as a citizen that was faced with that same situation mm -hmm. uh, where there were no police officers involved uh, too, uh, because that's debatable too. Uh, yeah, and, the, and what people people need to remember is Parker called nine one one for help. Yeah, the police officers just didn't say, "Oh, we're going to go up to that house and see if they're home, and then figure out, oh, he has a gun to his head." That's not what happened. Parker called nine one one and said, "I'm about to blow my brains out. The front door's open." And when di and when dispatch said, "Hold, stay on the line. We're going to get you some help," he hung up. So he knew what he was doing. He, he purposely called Huntsville police to get, to come over there so that he could fulfill his plan to kill a police officer. And he wasn't successful. And that's verified by the neighbor that he had a plan. That's verified. To yes. That's verified officer. by the neighbor. Yes. Wow. There's documentation of that. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned there was some good news uh, coming out. Uh, so I assume the appeals court has made a decision uh, what What is the update to the case? So our latest update is two weeks ago this past Friday. So March, I think it was March 24th, um, the appeals court ruled and they unanimously overturned Ben's conviction and remanded it back to trial. So on the appeals court, there are five judges and all five judges agreed that mm. uh, the case was not presented correctly that the jury was not properly instructed and that Ben would be given a new trial. So um, that was a huge answer to prayer for us because he should have never been tried in the first place. He should have never been arrested. He should have never been charged um, right. because he did exactly as he was trained. And so um, he is still in custody at this time. It's been two weeks, a little over two weeks. Um, and that has to do with, the attorney general, who is Steve Marshall, had a two-week period to appeal the court's unanimous decision. He failed to file anything. So as of this past Saturday, um, we could start the paperwork of getting Ben home. Um, because of it being the weekend and then the Easter holiday, we are slowly going through that process of the red tape between all the different jurisdictions in the the entities that are involved in that. Um, I'm hoping to have him home by Friday, um, but I can't, everyone's asking me, you know, I'll go to work or I'll be in town and someone will see me and they'll say, when's Ben coming home? And I was like, I, I don't, he's coming home. I just can't, I can't give you a date yet because the wheels of the justice system move very slow and uh, it's just, they're not, they haven't made that, the order and the paperwork for that to go through has not 
gone through yet. So it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I've had to get, I've tried to get it explained to me where I can understand it. And I just, it still boggles my mind why he's not home yet. You know, as soon as you're found guilty, you are thrown in handcuffs and you're carted off to your jail cell. But the moment you're found innocent or it's overturned in this case, we're going to take our time and make sure that we're sure that we overturned it. And um, it's politics. It's a very political case. Yeah, it is a very political case for some reason. And uh, we talked before the show, just to get this out there, this is not a Soros-backed prosecutor-type person. Right. But he isn't elected. Right. He was. The district attorney is Robert Broussard. And um, he's been the district attorney for a while in Huntsville. And uh, he was just recently reelected unopposed. No one ran against him uh, this past November. So he'll be in the spot. I think it's either a four or six year term. Um, I don't live in that county, so I don't really pay attention to their politics. Um, But he is the district attorney and he has he has already claimed that they will retry the case. So. Um, the road, the road is not over with, there is a little bit of a reprieve because Ben will be able to come home and we'll be able to fight it together, um, and be able to have more communication about the case because we'll be together, but, um, we're far from being over with because they want to retry the case. So just to be clear though, they, they, they're incarcerating an innocent man because you're presumed innocent. Once the conviction's overturned, you're back to the beginning. So we have a presumption of innocence in this country. And, uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm not even going to go into the whole, it's not fair thing. It's just an injustice. The whole situation I think is an injustice as somebody who's, who's had, you know, large law enforcement organizations under my direct control, Mm -hmm. uh, this this is just a a, a complete reversal of uh, uh, the confidence that police officers should be having in prosecutors and district attorneys and the judicial system. Uh, it, it really is puzzling that they yeah. would uh, risk this. Yeah, he's been in prison for four days now, um, and I mean, quite frankly, it's four thirty here in Alabama. Um, we're going to go another day. You know, as business is closed or the courts are closed, um, I highly doubt I'll get a phone call within the next 35 minutes that, hey, come pick Ben up. Um, And that's not being being pessimistic. It's just that's the reality of it. There is no um, there is no quickness to this. And he is being unlawfully held for the last four days. He's not convicted of anything. He should be presumed innocent, um, as you just stated. But people have their own ideas and they don't know how to apply the law correctly. Um, and in their minds, he's still guilty and he's not, he's, it's been completely overturned in the, a big thing with the court's decision is we, it wasn't just two judges or three judges. It was all five. It was a unanimous overturning of his conviction. So he is no longer a convicted felon, but he has to stay around convicted felons because of, judicial red tape and the ever slow moving legal system that our country has. Yeah. It's, it's uh like I said, it's very unfortunate. Uh, how is he holding up? He's doing okay. Um, obviously he's ready to come home because he's been in one of Alabama's worst prisons uh, in the state. The department of justice has, has stated 
that the facility that he is in um, is inhumane. And that's that's directly coming from the DOJ. That's not me being his wife saying that. Um, he is in an inhumane area. Um, I mean, during the summertime, they don't even have air conditioning. But wow. there, it's on the law books in Alabama that an animal shelter will have heating and air for dogs and cats, but inmates don't. You know, and that's that's a whole other debacle. But that just shows you how inmates are viewed. Um, they are people too. Yes, they may have committed a crime and they may have done something wrong in society, but they're still human. And people don't don't realize that or make that connection. Yeah, yeah and we, we do have laws in this country that, uh, that require humane treatment of even convicted people, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we're supposed to take great care <laughs> in how the rules are applied to prevent uh, inhumane treatment. And uh, right. it's it's really sad what we see happening. The uh, uh, so what are the uh, what do you think the next steps are going to be as far as timeline goes? It, it, it sounds like he's going to re-prosecute the case uh, or retry. The yeah. Case. So first things first is we got to get Ben home. Um, and unfortunately, I've done everything I can, and so have our lawyers, and we're we're at the mercy of the judge looking at his paperwork and the Alabama Department of Corrections looking at his paperwork and forwarding it through so that he can get moved. Um, he will legally, he has to be given a bond um, because his initial bond, he was given an initial bond when he was charged. And then when he was ultimately convicted, he was also given a bond. So they can't just hold him. That would be illegal um, until the next trial. Um, he'll come home. I don't see us going to trial until sometime in 2024, just because it's already April, middle of April, um, and it's going to take time to to go through all this again. Um, so I don't foresee anything legally happening um, with a trial until then, but we also still have to sit down together with our lawyers um, and go through what our next steps are. So um, we've been very thankful to have the support that we've had over the last, it's been five years. Um, it's been two years, obviously, since he's been incarcerated, almost two years. But um, the, the amount of support we've had from the community, from friends and family, from different organizations like the Pipe Hitter Foundation, um, the Gallagher's have been a huge resource to Ben and I both um, in how to go through this road because they went through it with Eddie yeah. when he was in the SEALs. Um, and just the the help and the guidance they've been able to give us personally legally um just different ideas and what they bring to our table to help us and our team um, has been huge the blue justice project has been the same for us they're a smaller nonprofit out of pennsylvania um helping us financially just like pipe hitter um because it you know it's on me now to pay for his appeal um huntsville's not huntsville's not paying that bill anymore so just to have the support that we have had, um, obviously from the national FOP, the state FOP, different police departments from around the country that have reached out to me personally saying, hey, we stand with you. And they've donated um, to towards his legal fees because uh, they understand that this this isn't just important for Alabama. This is important nationwide, because if you as a police officer can't be viewed as a police officer, when you are doing your duties, 
it's a losing battle. You know, you have to be yeah. viewed in the eyes of a police officer. You can't be viewed as the in the eyes of a citizen. And that's right now our case or Ben's case has overturned that where in Alabama it's now case law. You have to view a police officer as a police officer. So um, we will take the small win. It, it, it's a big win, big picture. Um, but the road's not over yet. So we're just thankful for all those who have who have stood behind us and helped us. Um, and they're, they promised to stand with us until until that Ben is home for good and this is over with. And that's just something that that helps me as a wife. That helps me as a police officer, um, you know, because I'm still I'm still working the street four days a week. So because um, I still believe in the job, you need you need good police out there. And especially in today's day and age, you just you, you never know what's going to happen. So um, we're just yeah. very thankful for the support that we have. Yeah, Keelan, you mentioned a uh, a couple of situations before we came on air. Uh, what is the impact of this case on police officers in that area? Uh, you know, is it causing some kind of issue from a, I guess from a uh, from an ability to to apply force effectively? Those kind of things. I mean. We're human beings here, you know, whether you're a police officer or a military person or, or a citizen, you know, so we're impacted by what goes on around us. And this has got to be having some kind of effect. Yeah, there has been. Um, initially, when Ben was arrested, he was, um, he, he was arrested and taken into custody. And I can say with, uh, with ultimate confidence Policing in Madison County and specifically in Huntsville was non-existent because every police officer saw him do his job as they're all trained to do, and he was taken to jail for it. Um, Huntsville has had multiple officer-involved shootings since Ben's. Um, Most recently, they had one uh, March 28th, I believe, where an officer was killed and another officer was critically injured. Um, and the maddening part about that case is the shooter in that case was out on bond for gun for assault charges and weapon charges. And the same district attorney who only took four months to get Ben's indictment through has taken 14 months and counting to get this indictment on these separate charges. And he's taken his time. And because he's taken his time, it's cost an officer his life. Um, and it's cost another officer ultimately his life as well. He's still alive, but um, he has a very, very long recovery road, road to recovery ahead of him. Um, in February, there were five police officers from Huntsville who were involved in, an, in a shooting uh, very similar to Ben's where the individual had a gun to his head. He was given multiple commands to drop the weapon. The individual didn't do it. The individual made a movement with his weapon towards those police officers and all five of them shot him and stopped that threat to their lives. That that case has been cleared by Huntsville, but now the state is looking at it. You can't say that they're all safe and that that was a good shoot and that Ben's wasn't. But conversely, you can't say that Ben's was a good shoot and that theirs wasn't. Because when you look at the use of force, the deadly use of force in, that, in both those situations, 
it comes down to the individual not following lawful commands. Mm -hmm. He presented a threat to police officers. And when he did present that threat, the police officers defended themselves. Appropriately, they responded according to their training and policy, right? Correct. Just Correct. like Ben did. Correct. So um, I'm still waiting to hear from that. And that's, you know, Ben's case was was uh, investigated internally by Huntsville Police Department. But ever since Ben's case, they don't do that anymore for officer-involved shootings. They defer to the state uh, Bureau of Investigation. And SBI has not come back with their their ruling on that case or their ruling, their, their concept of, of what, what, if it was a good shoot or not there, if it was justified. Um, I believe they will come back and say it is justified. And that's only going to help Ben's case out because you can't say that those five are justified in the same situation that Ben was in, but Ben's not justified. So why would they, why would Huntsville uh, give up its responsibility to, to do these types of investigations. I, I'm not really sure why they did. Um, I have different, different beliefs on that, but I've never mm -hmm. been given, I've never been told, you know, why exactly. But um, Huntsville cleared Ben, the investigator that uh, did Ben's investigation told him after the interview, don't let anyone Monday morning quarterback you. You did exactly as you were trained and you made sure that we didn't have to have three funerals for him and the other two officers later on that month. Um, and then that same investigator, if, if Ben was guilty of murder while he was being investigated by the investigator, mm -hmm. if the investigator had enough on him to charge and arrest him for murder, he would have done that back in 2018. And did that investigator testify at the trial? He did. He testified for the district attorney's office for the prosecution mm -hmm against Ben, even though his report said he's clear, even though he told Ben after the interview, you did exactly the right thing. Don't let anyone Monday morning quarterback you. And did he deny saying that? Um, during court? the trial, I don't know if he was ever asked that specifically. Hmm. Um, but I mean, his, his investigation showed that Ben was not Ben was not guilty. Ben was innocent. And then he got on with the DA and went with the DA to, to go after him. That's very unfortunate too. Uh, it, uh, pressure is a, is a terrible thing in these cases, you know, and yeah. political pressure uh, and the pressure of the situation in this country um, on investigators, police officers, you know, uh, prosecutorial investigators and everything has got to be tremendous. I can't, I can't imagine. I've been out of that business for several years and I, I can't imagine the amount of pressure you guys are all going through. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Um, but I have a very strong support group. Um, I'm very rooted in my faith and as well as so has Ben. Um, and that's what we, that's what we hold on to is our faith and the support group that we have. And, um, you know, the support has only gone up ever since, yeah. ever since he was incarcerated, uh, support has not dwindled. It's only, it's only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So, um, that is something that we hold tight to. And that's why we want to get the story out because it's an important story. And, you know, uh, there's all kinds of stories that get, that get huge coverage and, uh, and this one has not, uh, and it needs it. It needs to, 
the light of day needs to shine on this DA and this attorney general and this governor too. Uh, I'm sure there's a clemency process in parallel that works in parallel uh, to appeals and those kind of things. And, uh, and uh, I know that's a Republican governor over there. And, it is. Uh, I'm wondering what the heck's going on in that state uh, the, where they haven't looked at this uh, with a really cold eye and determined uh, what the right path is yet. So, yeah, yeah, we are. We are very Republican. It's a very much a red state. Um, the governor in Alabama does not have the power to. Um, I can't think of the word, but to exonerate Ben, I guess um, that was taken away from the governor in uh the last 10 or 15 years. Um, so, but she still can, she can make a phone call. She can do certain things. So can Steve Marshall, the attorney general. Um, can speak out publicly. Exactly. It's wrong. And they have failed. It's been over five years. It's been five years and two weeks maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And they have both have failed to say anything about Ben's case. Why is that? Uh, Steve Marshall ran on the platform that he supported law enforcement. I went to a rally that he he had in Huntsville two weeks after Ben was uh, sentenced off to prison, stating how he supported police and how the community needs to support our police officers and they have a hard job and the community will never understand what they have to go through. Well, where's your support of Ben Darby, Mr. Marshall? Well, words are cheap. You know, yeah. uh, when it comes to politicians, look at what they do, not what they say. Uh, right. Like Like right. most people. Uh, but especially <laughs> for politicians, and unfortunately, they're politicians. Uh, uh, but uh, but like you said, you have support. Uh, go through go through where people can donate again to to the various websites and organizations. Keely, yeah, before so, I let you go, so we can raise some money for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Appeal. So the biggest the biggest place people can go to is pipehitterfoundation.org. and that's um, that's the pipe hitters website, and they have a link for Ben. Um, if you go to their main website, you'll see his picture and you can click on support Ben Darby. And then um, if you would like to give to our legal fees, every penny that we get goes towards legal fees. I don't live off any of it. Um, I'm not gallivanting across America. You know, I'm, I'm fighting to get my husband home from prison and to clear us of this. So um, every every dime goes towards that. People also can go to standwithdarby.com. And that's our personal website that we have with information about the case. Um, and there's also donation donation links there uh, through Pipe Hitter for people to donate through. And then we're on all social media platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the handle um, at StandWithDarby. So PipeHitterFoundation.org or StandWithDarby.com. Fantastic. Uh, well, you, you guys are all in our prayers, as you know, uh, uh, I'm a Christian, uh, too, and my faith, uh, I have, I have faith in God and I believe that the right things are going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. and they are, that ball's already started rolling. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. we never know what's going to happen. Maybe this prosecutor will, uh, will see the light of day before he even steps back into a courtroom with this case, but you know, we got to be prepared for it and you guys are, are going to be well prepared. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're ready. You know, um, we're ready to take this to the next level and we will retry it. Uh, legally, correctly, the right way, um, unlike the way it was done the first time. So we're we're looking forward to Ben being vindicated and us moving on with our life. Yeah, now that the jury instructions will be correct according correct. to the law for police officers, 
Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm very confident that that uh, he'll be acquitted and, uh, and vindicated and you guys can get your life back on track. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on and spending some time with us, Keelan. We'll get this out and get the word out all over the next week and a half or so. And uh, uh, we'll get folks out there to get them to donate too to help you guys out. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate the time and just for your support. Uh, it just means a great deal to both Ben and I. Well, God bless you. Hopefully I'll meet you guys someday and uh, we can go to dinner or something. Absolutely. Sounds great. (laughs) Thank you. God bless you. That was uh, police officer Keelan Darby talking about her husband, Ben, and just the atrocious case that uh, uh, was brought against him in a justified officer-involved shooting. Uh, Folks, I mentioned it during the show that we cannot continue to tear the confidence of officers down in their leadership, whether it's political leadership or department leadership or or citizen leadership. Uh, and that's what's happening. And people's lives are being put in danger, not just officers, but citizens. Because when, as Keelan mentioned, uh, right after Ben was arrested, uh, crime went through the roof in Huntsville because nobody was able to do the job. Uh, And that's a problem that we have in the entire country now uh, because of what's been happening, uh, really, especially since 2020. Uh, So we've got to fix that. Uh, I had pipehitterfoundation.org up the whole time under Keelan's name, the whole time the show was running. So if you need to rewind and go back to hit that, that's great. Uh, I do have to ask, uh, you've noticed an OCR block on the screen during my shows the last few weeks. Uh, It's over my right shoulder there. Uh, and, uh, that's how you can help keep the show going by going to my Substack and donate, uh, via a paid subscription if you'd like, uh, or just share the show, uh, and share the uh, Substack page or share robmanus.com. Uh, we don't get any revenue off of ads. Uh, uh, well, I won't say any, we get about a couple of pennies a month is what it's looking like now, uh, because Google and YouTube and, and uh, Facebook have all suppressed us mightily on this. Uh, so uh, help us out uh, so that we can get this show to the many, many thousands of Americans that support people like Officer Darby, uh, both Keelan and Ben Darby. Until next week, 